the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There's a ring of truth that is unmistakable Knowing that you cannot find them all And if you listen carefully And sometimes even if you don't You can hear that sound Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Ring of Truth with our pastor and teacher, Dan Sexton, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Please join Pastor Dan as he teaches through God's Word. I'm not going to forget you. I'm going to remain faithful to you, even when you're not faithful to me. That's the promise that God makes to us as well. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. He's faithful to us always. He doesn't forget us. He doesn't turn his back on us. Even when when we forsake him, he doesn't forsake us. It's just not his nature. He's committed to us. Have you ever had someone close to you turn their back on you? In today's message from Pastor Dan, he teaches you that although you might have had this experience with a close relative or friend, you will never experience this with God. God will never leave or forsake you. Although there might be times in your life when you turn your back on God, He never will. Pastor Dan reminds you that God is always faithful. The Lord is committed to you, and you can fully trust Him with your whole heart. God promises that He is always with you. And now, open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter 44 as we join Pastor Dan for today's edition of Ring of Truth. No other religious writings have prophecy. No other religious writings contain a a description of future events before they happen. And yet, the God of the Bible says, "This, this is the way you know. This is how you can identify the true God from false gods. It's prophecy. Verse 8, Do not fear, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from that time and declared it? You are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? Indeed, there is no other rock. I know not one. He he says to the people of Israel that they are witnesses of these truths. They know that Yahweh is real. They know that. The people of Israel owe their very existence to Yahweh, to Jehovah, you know, the Jewish people today. Their existence is proof that the God of the Bible is true. They've, you know, the Jewish people have witnessed the Lord working in their nation throughout their history, going all the way back to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and Joshua and the judges and Samuel, the prophet, and all the way through their history. They've seen God working in their nation and guiding and directing their nation and and working miracles on their behalf. Just as he says here, Jehovah has been their God. 
He's been their rock throughout their history. But, but at this point, as Isaiah pins this, as he writes this, the people of Israel have forsaken the Lord and they've gone after these other gods. And yet here God says, you're my witnesses. You're the proof that I am who I am. It's, a, it's you know, the argument here that the Lord makes is very similar to the argument that the Apostle Paul makes in the New Testament to the Corinthians. You know, the Apostle Paul traveled to Corinth on a mission trip. He brought the gospel to Corinth. The gospel was brought there for the first time by the Apostle Paul. He planted a church there. He established a work of the Lord there. He raised up disciples there. You know, he he got them established, so to speak, before he left. But then years later, critics of the Apostle Paul began to say that, that Paul was not truly an apostle. He was not a legitimate apostle and that he didn't have apostolic authority. And there were people in the church in Corinth, believers in the church in Corinth, who also rejected Paul's apostleship and bought into this, that Paul's not really an apostle. And they turned against Paul. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul wrote to the Corinthians and he says to the Corinthians, even if others think I'm not an apostle. I certainly am to you. I'm an apostle to you. You yourselves are proof. I am the Lord's apostle. The fact that there are believers in Corinth is proof that I'm an apostle. The fact that there's a church there shows and proves that I'm an apostle. And in a similar way here, the Lord says to Israel, Hey, your existence as a people and as a nation is proof that I'm God. I'm I'm God. Just by the fact that you exist, I'm the one who thought you up. I'm the one who created you from nothing and called you and formed you into a nation. I've guided you. I've protected you. I've rescued you a couple times. I've provided for you. And now you're looking at other gods. After all that I've done for you throughout your history, and, and now you're turning to other gods and acting as if I, I'm not your God? What? Now, beginning in verse 9, the Lord explains the folly of looking to other gods, that these other gods are not really gods at all. They, they can't do anything. They can't help them. They can't answer their prayers. They can't speak. They can't save. And that it's senseless to worship them. And he does it in in the Lord here. He kind of does it in a sarcastic way. In almost a comical way. Verse 9 he says, Those who make an image, all of them are useless. Again, he's very direct. Your gods are useless. And their precious things shall not profit. They are their own witnesses. They neither see nor know that they may be ashamed. He he says your gods are useless. They can't help you. They can't see anything. They don't know anything. They're worthless. Look at verse 10. Who would form a god or mold an image that profits him nothing? Why would you worship a God that you have to make? 
that you have to fashion with your own hands, that you have to create. And he can't do anything to help you. And what the Lord is saying here throughout this whole passage is, you know, what, what kind of God is that? What kind of God is that that you're trusting in, that you're hoping in? Surely all his companions would be ashamed and the workmen, they are mere men. Let them all be gathered together. Let them stand up, yet they shall fear. They shall be ashamed together. He says here in verse 11, you're worshiping gods that are made by men. Hello, you're, you're worshiping a God that some other person made. And you think that God's going to save you. And you think that God's going to deliver you. He's made by a man, just like you, as frail as you. Look at verse 12. This is where it gets kind of sarcastic, a little comical. The blacksmith with the tongs works one in the coals, building a little idol. He fashions it with hammers and works it with the strength of his arms. Even so, he is hungry and his strength fails, or he drinks no water and he faints. He says, do you really want a God that you have to hire a blacksmith to make for you? You've got to pay a blacksmith to make your God? And he's, he's got to fashion your God with a hammer? He makes it with a hammer? And you think that's a God? And I love what he what he says here. He he says, again, kind of sarcastically, I, I, he says, I, I hope that the, the blacksmith, you know, ate a good breakfast and stays hydrated while he's making your God. Otherwise, he might faint and then he won't be able to finish your God because <laughs> he skipped lunch and now he can't work. What kind of God is that? What kind of God are you trusting in? Verse 13 he talks about idols made out of wood. This is also just kind of the irony of this whole thing. Some people could afford to have a God made out of gold or silver. Others weren't wealthy enough, and so they made their gods out of wood. <laughs> and so to those that made their gods out of wood, in verse 13, the craftsman stretches out his rule, his ruler, on the wood. He marks one out with chalk. We still use chalk lines. He fashions it with a hand plane, a hand plane there. He marks it out with a compass to make sure that it's, you know, it's perfect dimensions and makes it like the figure of a man according to the beauty of a man that it may remain in the house. And, and so here he goes on, he says he cuts down cedars for himself. And he takes the cypress and the oak. He secures it for himself among the trees of the forest. He plants a pine and the rain nourishes it. The rain that comes from the Lord Jehovah. Then it shall be for a man to burn. For he will take some of it and warm himself. Yet he kindles it and bakes bread. Indeed, he makes a god and worships it. He makes it a carved image and falls down to it. He burns half of it in the fire. With this half he eats meat. He roasts a roast and is satisfied. He even warms himself and says, Ah, I am warm. I have seen the fire. And the rest of it he makes into a god. 
his carved image and he falls down before it and worships it and prays to it and says, deliver me for you are my God. (laughs) Do you really think a God made from firewood can save you? Again, you've got to hire a craftsman, a woodworker to make this beautiful carved image out of wood. And the craftsman measures it out and he's got his compass out to make sure the dimensions are all appropriate. And he's got his hand planes and he's working it with his smoothing plane and getting it all smooth and beautiful. Then he tells him, you know, really, it's just a log. It's just a log. You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. We'll have more from this message in a moment. But first, we'd like to tell you about an exciting resource available this Christmas season. Here's Pastor Dan to tell you more. Christmas can be a very busy time of year for most of us, and in our busyness, we can forget the reason for the season, Jesus Christ. So my wife, Cameron, wrote a wonderful daily devotional called 31 Days of December. This simple devotional is written for women and is designed to help you keep Jesus at the center of your Christmas season. We would be happy to mail you a copy as our thank you for your investment of any amount in this daily radio ministry. To receive your copy of 31 Days of December, visit our website at calvaryec.com and click on Give. Now, let's finish today's message. And he says... You take the log, and with part of it, you make a fire to cook, you cook your dinner. And with the other part of that same log, you pay a craftsman to fashion it into a god for you, and you fall down before it, and you worship it, and you pray to it that that god would deliver you. And this is my god. <laughs> and he says in verse 18, They do not know nor understand For he, now notice it's speaking of the Lord there. For he has shut their eyes so that they cannot see and their hearts so that they cannot understand. Because they refused to worship the true God, the Lord Jehovah. God has shut their eyes so that they cannot see the truth. And he has shut their hearts so that they cannot understand. And we see a similar thing in Romans chapter 1. Where there it talks about those. It says in Romans 1 that God has revealed himself to all of creation. All of mankind. And that just by creation around us we know that there's a God. And it talks about how God has written his law upon his heart. We have a conscience that testifies to us of the, uh, of, of the reality of God and of the law of God. We have the law of God written on our hearts. So we know right from wrong. We've got this innate morality just in our hearts. We've got creation around us. And Romans 1 says, so everyone knows there is a God. And so that we're all without excuse. Even the atheist is without excuse. And it goes on to say in Romans 1, verse 18, that there are those who suppress the truth that has been revealed to them by God. Literally, they they hold it down. The truth that has been revealed, they suppress it. 
so that they can worship the, the creation instead of the, the creator, so that they can worship the creature instead of the creator. And it goes on to describe idolatry in Romans chapter 1. That's where that ends up, is idolatry. And here we're told that God shuts their eyes and shuts their hearts because they have willfully, on their own, they've closed their eyes to the truth. They've hardened their hearts to the truth that has been revealed to them. And so God makes them unable to see and unable to know the truth because they suppressed the truth that was revealed to them. They made a conscious choice to suppress it. And they acted like they couldn't see the truth and they acted like they couldn't understand the truth. And so God makes it where they can't see and where they can't understand. They acted blind, so he made them blind. They acted dull of heart, so he gave them a dull heart. He has shut their eyes so that they cannot see and their hearts so that they cannot understand. So verse 19, and no one considers in his heart, nor is there knowledge nor understanding to say, well, I have burned half of it in the fire. Yes, I've also baked bread on its coals. I have roasted meat and eaten it. And shall I make the rest of it into an abomination? Shall I fall down before a block of wood? They never stopped to consider that, hey, with the same log, I'm cooking my dinner and I'm worshiping it as God and I'm falling down before it. And I think that this God's going to save me. The same God that I'm burning in my fireplace. And I think now this God's going to save me. And they, they never stopped to consider that really this is just a block of wood. It's all that it is. It says of the idolater in verse 20, He feeds on ashes. A deceived heart has turned him aside. He cannot deliver his soul, nor say, is there not a lie in my right hand? These idolaters, he says, they feed on ashes. Now, I've never tried to eat ashes out of our fireplace before, but I can imagine that it's not very satisfying to eat ashes. And what, what the Lord is saying here is the worship of idols will leave you unsatisfied and with a pretty bad taste in your mouth, ultimately, like eating ashes. He says here, they are deceived. They're deceived in heart. Their hearts have been turned aside. Again, being very direct, telling people the truth, that are worshiping other gods, and that believe that their God can save them. And that their God can get them to heaven. They're deceived. If that's what they believe, they're deceived. Because there's one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. He's the only way. That's what the Bible declares. And again, we live in a, in a time and in a culture where it's, it's politically incorrect to tell somebody that. Or it's considered intolerant to tell somebody that. That they're deceived. And that's what it says. They're deceived. They're delusional because they believe their God can save them. They believe their God hears them when they pray. Uh, they believe their God speaks to them or they believe that their God can help them. And they never face up to the fact that the God that they hold in their hand is a lie. It's a lie. Verse 20. Is there not a lie in my right 
hand. Verse 21. Remember these, O Jacob and Israel, for you are my servant. I have formed you. You are my servant. O Israel, you will not be forgotten by me. The Lord reminds Israel again that he created them and and they are his. They are his servants. And he promises to not forget them like they have forgotten him. He says, I'm never going to do that to you. What you've done to me, I'm never going to do it to you. I'm not going to forget you. I'm going to remain faithful to you, even when you're not faithful to me. And that's the promise that God makes to us as well. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. He's faithful to us always. He doesn't forget us. He doesn't turn his back on us. Even when, when we forsake him, he doesn't forsake us. It's just not his nature. He's committed to us. Remember the story in the Old Testament when Abraham has the vision where the Lord comes to him at night in a, as, a, as a pillar of fire and they sacrifice animals and they lay the animals out and then the fire passes through the middle of the animals. Remember that? And what they're doing is they're cutting a covenant. That's where the, the saying comes from, to cut a deal or to cut a covenant. They would cut animals in half and then pass through the middle of the two halves of the animal. And it, and it was a way of saying, if I break this covenant, uh, let what has happened to these animals happen to me. And if you remember, the pillar of fire, which was the presence of God, passed through the center of those animals. But then Abraham doesn't pass through the center of the animals. So God committed himself to the covenant. But Abraham didn't pass through. Abraham didn't sign the contract. But God committed himself to it. And he keeps his covenant with us. He keeps his promises to us. You know, we're blood-bought children. He's He's already bought us with the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. He's already paid the highest possible price to redeem us. So he's not going to forget about us. He's not going to turn his back on us. He's not going to forsake us now. He's got too much invested in us just to just to purchase us, just to get the relationship. He's already got too much invested in us to just forget about us now. He's never going to leave us. He's never going to turn his back on us. He's never going to forsake us. And we might forsake him. We might turn our back on him, but he's not going to do it to us. Verse 22 says, I have blotted out like a thick cloud your transgressions and like a cloud your sins return to me for I have redeemed you. And notice verse 22 is in the past tense. The Lord says, I have blotted out your transgressions and your sins. It's already happened. God doesn't say here when you return to me. And you show that you're faithful to me. And we've got a 90-day trial period. Then I'll blot out your transgressions. Then I'll blot out your sins. No, what he says here is I've already blotted out your sins. I've already blotted out your transgressions. I've already forgiven you. So return to me. You see the difference? He asked me how I know. And I say, bring true. 
That's all we have time for today on Ring of Truth. We're so glad you joined Pastor Dan Sexton for his verse-by-verse study through the book of Isaiah. This extraordinary book is quoted in the New Testament more than any other Old Testament book. Plus, it provides us with the most comprehensive picture of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. It includes the full scope of His life and ministry, from His virgin birth to His sacrificial death to His resurrection and second coming in glory. If you'd like a copy of today's message, you'll be able to find it on our website, calvaryec.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an edition of this program. That website again is calvaryec.com. We'd love to hear from you too and learn how Ring of Truth has blessed you. Please take some time soon to give us a call at 410-491-4592. Let us know how God is working in your life and if there's anything that we can be praying for during this study of Isaiah. That number again is 410-491-4592. With that, our time with you has come to an end. We pray the Lord bless and keep you and that your faith is deepened with each passing day. Tune in next time to continue our study of the book of Isaiah right here on Ring of Truth. Good night.